Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My name is Roger Christie, founder of Propel and LinkedIn advisor to leaders who know the value of a strong digital reputation. Leaders like my guest in the studio today and former client, Glenn Patterson. Glenn is the CEO at the City of Casey, a local council in the state of Victoria with almost 400,000 residents, making it the state's largest municipality and also one of the fastest growing councils across the country. I first met Glenn when he decided to get his whole leadership team up and active on LinkedIn earlier this year. And since then, we've had many conversations around the role of LinkedIn for leaders, how it can help reach and reinforce corporate goals, and why it's so important to have more than one voice from within an organization active online. In today's conversation, I'm keen to get under the hood of the work Glenn and his leadership team have been doing, explore why he felt LinkedIn was a logical choice, and hear more about what the team's experiences have been since taking that more proactive approach online. In a way, his story brings together a lot of the ideas we've talked about through this fourth season so far. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Glenn Patterson to the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Thanks very much, Roger. Great to be with you this morning and to to go through some of that. It's been a great experience in the program with you. Wonderful. And there's so much, I know we've had chats about this before, there's so much that we've shared and and I think learned from one another, if I I could be perfectly honest, through that time together. And I know we're going to get into that, but I want to give people who are listening a bit of context about who you are, where you've come from, the background for Casey. So perhaps could you share a bit of an overview of the city of Casey and your role as CEO? Yeah, sure, Rog. As you said, we're the largest council by population in Victoria, and you mentioned nearly 400,000. Well, in fact, in the last fortnight, we have clicked over 400,000 of population, so there's a little bit of a celebration around reaching that milestone. So we're actually around the size of Canberra at the moment, growing at about 3% per annum. So we'll see ourselves and the forecast are showing we're around 550,000 by 2040. So we'll have the population of Tasmania by that point. So it's creates a very diverse, interesting challenging role, but it's it's a terrific opportunity to be working in a growth area council like that. So we're located in the southeast of Melbourne, got a nice diverse municipality. We've got established suburbs, the likes of Narry Warren, Hallam, Hampton Park, we go through from the foothills of the Dandenongs through those established areas down to the growth areas around Cranbourne, Berwick and Clyde. And we, in fact, we go through to the coastal villages of Western Port Bay. So a diverse geographically municipality, but also very diverse in terms of its ethnicity and religion and things like that as well. So it makes for a very rich cultural experience and again, creates all sorts of opportunities and complex challenges for us to manage our way through at Casey. I've been there for just on five years and we've also got a fairly substantial organisation. So we employ about 1,600 people, turn over about $600 million a year. And again, we work in a fairly complex environment. So that's what I like about being at Casey. It's, it's not a straightforward proposition. We sort of trade a lot with the employee value that we can bring to people because of the nature of the work and the pipeline of work that's coming through the organisation. But it is complex and we need to obviously be working with partners state government, federal government, developers, all sorts of other community members and groups in order to deliver the services and infrastructures that are required for a significantly growing municipality. So you've touched there, Glenn, on a lot around diversity, the communities that you have, the stakeholders that you have, the different views, beliefs, attitudes across that community as well. In amongst all that, and maybe if we can shorten the time frame to this year and just talk about what are some of the key priorities that you've been focused on given those, you know, some of those complex challenges and environments, what have you been focused on this past year? 
Well, I think the conditions are as challenging as I've ever seen them. I think working in our sector, and they're not unique to Casey, certainly it applies to all municipalities in the state and, in fact, in the country. And we all appreciate the constraints there is on state and federal government funding availability now. So in that context, I think, you know, financial sustainability is one that's very much front of mind for us. So we're always looking for improving the way we do things in order to be more lean, to take waste out of the business and be able to free up resources that we can then apply to the services and infrastructures we need to provide. So one thing that's very much front of mind for me this year is we're in year two of our organisation transformation program, which is a five-year significant investment program where we're working our way through five streams of work. And again, that's all about you know pursuing a new operating model that's based on outcomes, making sure from an enterprise services and technology point of view, we're as efficient and effective as we can be. And again, making sure that we've got that focus on driving down our operating costs and freeing up capacity to do more value-adding work. So that's really significant. Of course, there's always a gap between the availability of funding and resourcing and what we actually need to service our growth. So again, there's a lot of advocacy this year going on, especially when you have a change in Premier and and a reshuffle in State Cabinet. They're all opportunities to, to reconnect and reset relationships with significant potential funding partners. And we do a lot of that advocacy work. So I think, you know, there's some of the things that are very much front of mind for us at the moment. And perhaps one that's not so positive for us, we've been the subject of a, an IBAC investigation and the Operation Sandon report was published in the last couple of months. So again, that's had its challenges in relation to the behaviour and conduct of a former council group or some members of that, and at the dismissal of the council back in 2020. So it was actually great for us to see that report published to exonerate all existing and former council staff members. But again, just navigating our way through the communication challenges associated with that's been another thing that's been very much a priority for us in the last couple of months. So you use the word complex earlier, Glenn, and I'm getting a sense of that, and I'm sure our listeners are too, of the complex environment you're operating in. And thank you for setting the scene there. I want to drill down now into your own story, because again, when I met you early this year, you were someone who'd been active on LinkedIn for some time. I'm keen to understand what your own origin story is. What first drew you to the platform? I don't really know the answer to this. I'm guessing maybe six or seven years ago, I just became aware of this product called LinkedIn. I had an account there and I'm absolutely certain I had nothing to do with its formation. So somehow I had this very basic outline of my profile and I had this presence on LinkedIn. And as you've talked to us about, it's just interesting when you actually search online for your own name and your title, up comes this very ill-formed outline of a LinkedIn profile. And I just thought, well, that's really curious. So that's where I sort of started with it. And initially, it was just about getting some contacts and started to hear and to talk to people in all sorts of sectors who saw the value, I think, both for their business, but also from a personal, professional career development point of view in the platform. So I thought, well, actually, I need to contend with this and and actually develop it up into something a little bit more meaningful. So just progressively, was a case of building a bit of a base, getting some contacts. And I did that very organically, really just through people that I knew already or had business dealings with through work. And I continued that. So as I would meet new people, whether they were consultants or developers or significant people in the community, people in the state government, whatever it might be, I would continually add those people as connections once we'd done some work together. And so just gradually built that out and then got in a bit of a routine, probably in the last three or four years of posting you know, a little more frequently. 
And when I say a little more frequently, probably every couple of weeks, I just sort of set myself a bit of an unofficial goal of doing that. And as your base grows, you start to get some reactions and you hear when you're moving around the sector or meeting with people, they will talk about particular initiatives that we're taking in the organisation, either Casey or where I worked previously. And a lot of that awareness was developed through what I'd posted on LinkedIn. So it just started to validate that there was some real value in that. So we started working with that. I probably got, I don't know, 10,000 or something connections like that, which sounds kind of impressive. There's a question of quality in that mix of connections as well. And it was early this year that we really organizationally decided as part of our media strategy, we really need to do this collectively rather than just having individual senior officers in Casey doing that individually and harness the real power of it. And um, we might talk about that more subsequently in this conversation, Rog, but certainly that's, again, just I press upon me the need for us to take this platform seriously, but take a really integrated, coordinated, programmatic approach to it. That's where we find ourselves today. It's interesting, Glenn, because you get the sense, and certainly when I first met you, of the seriousness, and I don't mean that in kind of a, a somber way, but the seriousness with which um, you treated and respected the channel. But I also find that interesting contrasted against your origin story and saying how, well, this thing exists, I'm not sure why, and recognizing that there's a need to better control that narrative and the journey that you've gone on individually and as an organization to recognize the importance of this channel to help you get access to people and to help you have a direct communication line into those people across the sector, as you're saying, who when you go to a, a conference or go to an event and they're playing back to you the stories that you shared. So obviously something is hitting, landing and resonating with people and that then justifies the importance of investing and then getting this right and doing it strategically, as you were saying. But in terms of that decision to expand. That's what I'm really interested in, as you said. What was the catalyst behind moving from your own personal interest and belief in the platform to encouraging your colleagues, your leadership peers to be more active themselves online and the origin story for our program? Yes, I think we all see that uh, shift from using traditional media to market, you know, who we are, what we stand for, what we're doing to achieve our outcomes, those sorts of things. And this LinkedIn channels seem to be a prime candidate for optimising that more than we were to date because it seemed to me to be one that uh, was gathering momentum, gathering support. You started to hear more and more people, you know, from in the recruitment space saying they were using it as a, a tool for headhunting candidates, for evaluating candidates, those sorts of things. So as we started to dabble in it, that's why I decided to engage you and, and to engage in this program because you can just see that if we actually all act together and we have a consistent message and we'll all have our own perspective from it, but if in terms of our senior leadership team, so it's myself, my directors and managers, so a group of, you know, around 20 people, if we're doing that in a coordinated way, then we just get that consistency and clarity clarity of message and the reach that's achievable through this channel as opposed to the traditional media channels was really significant and really impressive. So that's why we embarked upon it and we started really being able to tell our story much more effectively about our purpose, what we're trying to achieve on behalf of the Casey community, how we're going about doing that, what we're doing to both internally work with developing our people but also externally in terms of developing the Casey community. So we've been at that for a couple of years where we've just, I think, fairly informally been encouraging our people to grow their presence on LinkedIn. A few took that up and, and got very passionate about that. Others, not so much so. But those who did started to share their experience, as I did, and say there's real organizational and personal professional benefits in this particular approach. 
So we've done that. And I think, you know, it's just the reach that's the remarkable thing if it's managed well, that can really influence so significantly the external audiences, plural, perception of us as a business and an organization working with the Casey community that really impressed me. And I just thought it's so effective and really it can either be a free product or even if you upgrade to some of the subscription levels, it's still a very modest investment for the kind of leverage and and benefit that's achievable through it. So we saw the value in that. And again, taking that joined up approach that we've done since we've been working with you this year has really leveraged that hugely. What intrigues me, though, is that I see many other authorities, many other councils, you know, not taking up that opportunity. And for such a, a modest investment and how you can really become much more prominent in that digital realm, it just surprises me that they haven't taken that up. And again, I think it's useful for Casey. We've certainly been able to heighten awareness of our work, what we're doing and why we're doing it across our sector, but more broadly than that. And as we were saying earlier, I keep getting that feedback through conversations at all sorts of gatherings and forums where there's awareness of what we're doing and why we're doing it based on the LinkedIn profile that we have. So very pleased and found it really rewarding to actually embark on this program. So you touched there, Glenn, on the response of others across industry or maybe the visibility and the activity levels across industry. My guess, and I don't want to put words in yours or their mouth, but certainly what we hear around the traps is that there is this lack of familiarity, a lack of clarity around how the platform works, a fear, a perception of fear that if I do start to pop my head up, I'm likely to get it squashed back down again by (laughs) negative audiences on social media. Have you experienced any of that negativity yourself as you've become more active? No, almost never. I think, to be honest, I've probably had one negative comment to all the hundreds of posts and thousands of comments and reactions that I've had to my posts, and that's been a shared experience with the rest of our team as well. So unlike other social media channels where you do see that it's a real lightning rod for negativity and prejudice and all sorts of things, we haven't experienced that. And I think through understanding that we're starting to develop with you, I think the algorithms and I think the philosophy of LinkedIn and the way it's designed actually helps contain and control a lot of that negative reaction. That's allowed myself and a lot of our people who've been tentative for that reason because they're concerned that if they put themselves out there and are too exposed, they'll make themselves vulnerable, Potentially, there's a risk associated with attracting that sort of negative, toxic comment. Commentary hasn't happened. And we've been posting on all sorts of social issues and things of that nature where you'd say some of those ideas are contested or there's a diversity of views around them. And yet the nature of the interaction around those posts has been really respectful and really positive. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Now, whether this is your very first episode or you're a fully-fledged subscriber, I want to share an exclusive invitation with you. I want to invite you to join the one program that will help you take greater control of your digital reputation and help you kick some real goals on LinkedIn. It's our Your Digital Reputation LinkedIn for Leaders program, a one-month program built off the back of hundreds of conversations with leaders and 30,000-odd hours advising them on LinkedIn. By joining the program, you'll get access to a range of planning frameworks, best practice guidelines, and one-on-one coaching with me, Roger Christie, to help you avoid common LinkedIn mistakes and get real value for your efforts all that value in just one month to ensure you're set up for success well into the future. So what are you waiting for? If you're looking for a LinkedIn for Leaders program, feel free to hit pause on this episode right now and drop me an email at rchristie at 
www.propelgroup.com.au or go to www.propelgroup.com.au slash YDR for more details. I'd love to help you amplify your impact and show you just how powerful a business tool LinkedIn can be. All right, back to this episode. You mentioned the word before, Glenn, purpose. And I want to come back to that because if there's one reflection that I've had off the back of the work that we've done together, it's the clarity with which you and others have approached this idea of having a clear purpose online, essentially your why for using LinkedIn. And if I can share a story, Glenn, it was you and I having a conversation around our purpose pyramid. And for the record, this doesn't happen this way. <laughs> it doesn't happen this way all if ever of the time. But I remember we were having a conversation and just talking about your own purpose. And it just struck me as this isn't something that is unique or exclusive to LinkedIn. LinkedIn became just another extension of your own purpose and the way that you do things and the way that you operate as a leader. And we were talking about this idea of better humans, better community, and a better future. And these three themes that we talked about, when I went back and looked at what you were doing, as you said, the many hundreds, if not thousands of posts and comments that you've done over the years, those three themes really came through in what you were already doing. And I think that was what was encouraging for me as someone on the outside looking in and seeing that the very things that you were using as anchor points for your own activity and to encourage your peers to be more active online were the themes that were already visible in what you were doing and saying online. And that consistency matters because that's the stuff that then when you are at those forums and events, people will pick up on those and and ask you about them. So I've got to say as an outsider, as part of that program and process we've gone through, it was really encouraging to see your purpose shine through, but also to see the clarity that others had as we went through that journey together. Yeah, thanks, Roger. I certainly appreciated the conversations you and I had to, to get that clarity. And it's interesting because we do all sorts of other leadership development work and we invest in ourselves doing that sort of thing around purpose. You know, why are we doing the work we're doing? What motivates us? What are our drivers? And all of that's incredibly clear, but it's not always clear when we come to the digital realm and we're online. And as you say, it's just an extension of the same profile, the same persona, the same values, what I believe in, all those sorts of things and why is now being extended into the LinkedIn profile. So with, you know, reframing and resetting that gets those that clarity around, you know, my focus on creating better people, as you say, better communities and better future for the citizens of the city of Casey. Just that clarity around why are we engaging in this product? Who are the audiences? On what basis am I going to do that and why is really affirming. So it just creates that, I think, authenticity and a sort of believability because you're real and you're consistent with who you are and what you stand for, both privately and publicly. You become a whole lot more efficient. And you reduce an awful lot of risk when you're just turning up as yourself. I think it's the easiest strategy is to just be yourself. Totally. Glenn, what were maybe some of the success stories, whether that's your own, what what things stand out to you or things that you've heard from others across the group, what jumped out as some of the successes along the way? There was many. I think, you know, I always get great reward from seeing people who grow and develop. And there were sceptics amongst our extended senior leadership team. Some of those people were encouraged to participate in the program and probably weren't entirely convinced of the merit of it. And yet, many of those people completely turned around and went from being skeptics to really embracing the product and becoming, you know, strong and consistent users. So I think that was really encouraging just to see them ease into it. They started posting, they got good reactions and they became really enthusiastic with it. So that was certainly really encouraging. I think it's it's that notion of 
posting things that are sort of interesting, engaging, have an emotional sort of connection to them that are very much around people and relationships. And, you know, I think you use the word humanity. They were the ones that consistently always get the best reaction and or that are a little bit quirky. I, I recall there being one of our managers who, again, she was enthusiastic right from the outset, but she started posting on a much more consistent basis. And one of our assets is Wilson Botanic Park at Berwick. And there was some environmental weeds in a certain part, less used part of the, the park that were very inaccessible because of the, the steep terrain. And we had a herd of goats that we hired to actually mow down these weeds and she posted around that. So again, it was linking it to purpose and outcomes. It was about environmental management. It was about all those sorts of very laudable things and very aligned to our strategic priorities, but it was quirky, the nature of it. It was those sorts of posts which we started to learn really gathered a great response because they were a little bit different. They had that sense of purpose to them, but they were a little bit interesting. That was another learning through the whole thing. Through you, we got referred to some other senior public servants who were public purpose people across Australia who I've admired and I'm still you know, learning to be more like this, who had very casual posts or who might post things where they're on holidays or they're in casual clothes, whatever it might be. But they made a link and were able to label their activity or what they were doing back to their purpose personally and also professionally. I think that was really interesting to watch that. And I'm going to do more of that, I think, because there's a sense sometimes that you need to have everything very polished and very formal and beautifully crafted. And sometimes if it's a little bit rough and ready, but it's genuine and it's authentic and it's interesting and engaging, they always get a better reaction on LinkedIn. So certainly that was one thing that um, we became aware of. And I mentioned just earlier, I think you put us onto this, just the sort of philosophy of LinkedIn was interesting as well. So again, the posts that had a strong social, environmental aspect to them always perform better on LinkedIn as well. So we always have our project sod turns and our facility openings and those sort of things, which which are okay and they're, they're relevant. But if we had anything that was around addressing disadvantage or inclusion and diversity or something of that nature, those things, which had a very personal aspect to it, people reacted extremely well to those. So again, that's without trying to manipulate the content that we put on LinkedIn, that's certainly an ongoing focus areas for us. Um, just to use one example, I think one that again rated really well was we partnered up with the local learning and employment network and our disused laptops that were at the end of their lease, we actually donated to that organisation and they were distributed to, to families who in the city of Casey, and we've, we've donated now hundreds, almost thousands of those laptops over the last couple of years to families that couldn't afford to buy laptops for their children who were going through school. Post around that on LinkedIn and you get an amazing response. So again, there's something very wholesome and ethical and affirming about that when you do that on LinkedIn. So that would some of our insights. And there's such a diverse range of examples. You, you've mentioned that word diversity many times. What I'm hearing there through those examples, they're incredibly diverse. And I think the important point, going back to something we've already covered, is if this was just you, if you were still the sole and, and kind of primary voice representing the organization online, the capacity to put laptops and goats, as you were saying, in the same feed at the same time, <laughs> it becomes challenging. Whereas there are some things that I think you're better placed to talk about and there are some things that others are better placed to talk about. And when it has that purpose and perhaps less of the polish as you described it, I think what happens is, and certainly what we've seen with other leaders, when you are very clear on who you are in your own authentic voice and your context, the things that make you who you are as a person, and then when you share those stories that 
are coming from the heart. And, and yes, it can still be a you know corporate initiative, a project, but things that come from the heart because you're genuinely passionate about them, your network knows that. Your network knows you. And so your network responds better to that message when it comes from you versus being forced through another channel. So I think that affinity and the context with your network is really important to reinforce a clear purpose and reinforce the content that you're putting out there. But there's some wonderful examples, Glenn. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with all that. So it can't have all been rosy though. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there were moments, as you say, we had to do some arm twisting or something like that. What would you say were some of the challenges that you came across as a group and, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, well, there was the one around just complete, you know, participation, but we got through that. And I think as the majority of our senior leaders, you know, saw the value, participated fully and were getting really rewarded for their involvement, others came on board. So there was a little bit of nudging along the way. That was certainly one of the outcomes that we achieved. There was something in there, and I think public servants as we are, I think maybe uh, are overrepresented with this sort of mindset. And it's that sort of modesty bias. And it's that constraint that we sometimes put on ourselves where we say, look, I don't really want to post because I don't want to steal my team's thunder. I don't want to claim credit for somebody else's work. And so we just contended with that thinking with a number of our people. And we got through that, I think, with just the right positioning for our posts and the right acknowledgements and the right coordination, as you say, everybody bringing a contribution where there's multiple people posting on the same subject. So we got through that. And I think that can be avoided, but you can get through that. And the other one that's associated with that is that sense of, you know, I don't want to be self-indulgent. I don't want it to be all about me. I don't want to show off or be arrogant. And again, through the right language and focusing on other people and their achievements and contributions, that can be dealt with too. Another one that's very consistent for us is we're approaching a, a new operating model, as I mentioned earlier with the business, which is very much focused on outcomes. So we're just rearranging ourselves entirely around that. And the LinkedIn posts and our approach to that was very useful for just not always posting on what we were doing. There was, it wasn't just tasks and activities and things that we we're doing all the time. It was activity, but you know what was the reason for that and what outcome was that contributing to? So again, we started to get much more structured around that too. And another constraint I think we put on ourselves sometimes was this sense of, you know, my work or oh, I'm really not that interesting. You know, why would these various audiences be interested in what I'm doing? It's all very pedestrian kind of work, BAU. We got through that through conversations, I think, as well, not to dismiss the level of interest there may be in that. And the more that we appreciated who our audiences were, what their needs and preferences were, then we got clearer about the kind of content which would resonate with them. We worked through that as well. But they were just some of, I think, the constraints that we were probably unjustifiably putting on ourselves earlier in the piece. And we've got to the stage now, which is exciting, where we've got another challenge in the organization where people that weren't part of the senior leadership team aware of the work that we're doing and seeing that saying, I didn't have access to this program. You know, I'm super keen to be part of this. We've had to sort of manage their expectations, but, you know, they're keen to be involved in a subsequent program. So that's the level of sort of interest we've now got in the program, which is terrific. Which is great. And it's really encouraging to see the interest that you generate through your own actions and how that then has a positive ripple effect across the organization, as you say, because the more voices that are out there and the more connection or the closer that connection to community, the better outcomes. I want to pick in to that word outcomes too, because you said it a couple of times and particularly in this idea of uh, the mindset of of the public servant, it has always been about the work, not the worker. And I think that's fair and that's right. And that's something that's a, a legacy mindset. But I think where LinkedIn flips that on its head 
is that, as you've been saying, it's the humanity and the human stories that actually drive the interest and engagement with content. And so there's this tension here between focusing on the work versus respecting the conventions of the platform and the way that audiences like to engage. So it's a very common challenge. And the conversations that we had, when you talk about putting ego to a side and instead saying, the most important outcome here, for example, is that other community groups learn about the laptop initiative that we've done and, and see that we're willing to partner with people like that. If that's the intended outcome, if the most effective means is through a person's story and a person's voice, you know you'll have a greater impact if you use that mechanism versus staying behind the brand and letting the brand tell all those stories. So there are very practical ways of overcoming those constraints and challenges, as you said, Glenn, and I'm pleased that you're able to do so much good work as a result of that. So maybe a final word from you, and, and maybe this is advice or an encouragement, if you will. What would you say to other leaders, other CEOs, or, or even the communications teams who are considering the role and value of LinkedIn themselves given the experience you've had, what advice would you give them? Oh, look, without hesitation, I'd say just embrace it, um, get to understand the platform, how it works and how you can leverage it for business and personal value and community value as well. And to the point you were just making, I think it's a platform, the values that underpin the design of it really align with public purpose entities and individuals, which we are in government. So there's a nice synergy that just is a natural fit and alignment, I think, there. It's also brought a greater sense of connection, I think, with our leadership team. Doing these pieces together on LinkedIn gives you a sense of all being contributing to and all being part of something together and being part sometimes of something bigger. So I think certainly promoted that sense as well. And just practically, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we've got, we think, a very strong employee value proposition. And it's, again, our work on LinkedIn has directly and indirectly been very beneficial, I think, in just our talent attraction because there's this growing sense of clarity about what we offer a potential employee by way of experience. And that's been really helpful as well. So, yeah, I just think, as we were saying earlier, to me, it's just a critical component in building your online reputation, as you talk about, both as a business and an individual. Yeah, a lot of that, which we keep sort of private and don't disclose, it's taking all that online, but doing that in an authentic way. So, I don't have any reservations at all to say to any potential leader looking to the, take their team through it who might be sceptical. I'd just say it's fairly easy. It's low cost. It's incredibly rewarding and beneficial. The results will soon speak for themselves. So I just think they have to get visible on LinkedIn. And as we keep saying, you know, do a Google search of yourself. And that's one of the first things that comes up. So you want to make sure you're represented well as an individual and as a business. And it's an obligation really, I think, on your leadership task to make sure that you're in that position. We always talk about first impressions. They do count whether they're online or offline, so I couldn't agree more. That's it. When we spoke earlier this year, I was immediately struck by your optimism and the opportunities you saw for your colleagues. And I suppose the access, the, the benefits that they would get from being more comfortable and confident on LinkedIn themselves. And in fact, it was our very first program, our kickoff session as a group, You Were Unwell, and you still joined a three-hour <laughs> workshop at home via team that you stayed the entire time, right. which is quite something. So <laughs> I remember thinking that instance showed how committed you were 
as the senior figure to turn up to show up and to reflect that this was important work and set an example for others. So I'm confident, as you did then, I'm confident that this conversation today has only reinforced those messages through your stories and experiences, Glenn, and that this is important work for leaders. And it would be, it'd be hard to hear about your approach and not be compelled to look more seriously at LinkedIn and the benefits it provides. So thank you for sh- again for sharing your time and perspective with me and with our listeners, Glenn, which is such a fitting end for the fourth season of the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Terrific. Thanks, Rog. Appreciate the opportunity. And to our listeners, this is the penultimate guest episode for 2023. So do tune in to next week's practical reflection as always, and keep your ears out for a very special final guest for the year, when I host the Honourable Victor Dominello in the YDR studio. Until then, take care and thanks as always for joining me on the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.